Emily's Runaway Imagination, Chapter Two: Mama's Elegant Party. Mama was so busy and so excited this morning that she burned the toast. Emily was so excited that she did not want to eat the toast, especially toast that had been scraped. Now, Emily said, "Mama, it is wicked to waste food. Just think of the starving Armenians." Emily would have been delighted to give her toast to one of the starving Armenians she had been hearing so much about lately, but since there were no starving Armenians in Pitchfork, she nibbled away at her toast, scraping toast on the day Mama was having a party—an elegant party. The members of the Ladies' Civic Club were coming for luncheon, luncheon on a farm where the Bartlets always had dinner at noon. Mama was going to steer the conversation around to the subject of the library for Pitchfork. The State Library really had answered her letter, and had offered to send seventy-five books at a time. But first, the town must find a place to keep the books and someone to act as a librarian. Mama had no more ideas. If all the people of Pitchfork donated what books they owned, there might be enough books to start a permanent library. Of course, Emily was eager for the party to begin. The Bartlets, who always rose early because Daddy had to milk the cows at five o'clock in the morning, had been busy. Emily wanted to do everything she could to make Mama's party a success. She had gone down to the pasture to gather buttercups and Johnny jump ups for the table. She had dug the maraschino cherries out of their tight little jar to put in the fruit salad. She had even gone to the drug store for the ice cream the short way, at the risk of running into Fong, because she wanted to hurry back to help Mama. Daddy had killed some hens the day before, and Mama had made chicken a la king with pimento out of a can from Grandpa's store. She had made patty shells just like the one she used to have back east. The trouble she had with those patty shells. The first batch refused to puff up, and Emily had to take them out to feed the chickens, because even though they had plenty of butter and flour on the farm, they could not waste food, because of the starving Armenians. Mama's angel food cake made up for the trouble with the patty shells. Even without a rotary beater to beat the egg whites, it was as light as a feather. Mama said, "Goodness only knew." What she was going to do with all the leftover egg yolks? Pretty fancy food you're fixing," teased Daddy. "It seems like a lot of trouble for a bunch of women to get together just to gabble." Mama was too busy to be teased. "I do hope this luncheon will be a success," was all she said, and whizzed around with a carpet sweeper and a dust cloth, while Daddy got out the scythe to cut the grass in front of the house. Emily followed and raked up the grass. When Daddy worked his way over the fence that separated the yard from the orchard, he swung the scythe through the grass and whack right into an overturned apple box that was hidden by the grass. That Goliath exclaimed, "Daddy, I forgot about the apples he knocked over." Then Emily remembered last winter, Daddy had picked two boxes of apples when he had pastured Goliath the bull in the orchard. He had set the box of apples over the fence to get them out of the bull's way. 
This had not stopped Goliath, who had managed to get his head over the wire fence and knock over the boxes. He took bites out of all the apples that did not roll out of his reach, and since the Bartlett's had plenty of apples and no one wanted to eat apples that had been nibbled by a bull, the rest of the apples had been lain rotting in the tall grass along with the windfalls that had dropped from the trees. Say, Emily, said Daddy, as he swung the scythe, see if you can get rid of those apples so I can cut the rest of the grass. What shall I do with them? asked Emily. Anything, answered Daddy. Just get them out. Emily examined the apples scattered in the grass. They were rotten now, brown and squishy, she picked up an apple which had a rich, cidery smell and tossed it over the fence into the orchard, where it landed in a plop and smelled even more cidery. Emily did not think Mama would like a lot of smelly rotten apples plopped over the fence when she was having an elegant party, so she decided that the thing to do was to feed them to the hogs, who would probably enjoy them. Emily loved to pick an apple and bruise it by dragging it along a picket fence before she ate it. The juicy bruises were the best part of the apple. If a bruise tasted good to her, a whole rotten apple must taste delicious to a hog. Besides, Mama said it was wicked to waste food. Think of the starving Arminians. Emily found an old dishpan, which she filled with the squashy apples and lugged around to the back of the house and across the barnyard to the hog pen. There she found she could not climb up on the fence with the dishpan in her hand, so she opened the gate to dump the apples on the ground for the hogs. The hogs were delighted. They squealed and rooted and snuffed at the apples and gobbled them up while Emily carefully closed the gate and ran back for more. As Emily dumped the second dish pan full of apples into the hog pen, she heard Mama calling from the back porch. Emily, come on, it's time to get dressed. Was it that late already? Emily ran back to the house as fast as she could go. She washed hastily at the kitchen sink and ran upstairs to put on her best dress and her Mary Janes, which she discovered were almost too small for her. When she came downstairs, some of the ladies were already coming up the boardwalk between the two private hedges and the that led to the house. How beautiful Mama looked in her gray silk with the white ruffles at the neck, and she swished down the hall to answer the door. And how lovely all the ladies looked in their dress-up dresses and spring hats, some of Grandma's nicest hats. There was Mrs. Archer, the banker's wife, in a black straw with orange poppies, a whole dozen silk poppies had gone into the trimming of that hat. And Mrs. Twitchell, the mother of Arlene Twitchell, the prettiest girl in town, in a hat Grandma had already retrimmed twice. Emily thought it was still a beautiful hat, but the ladies of Pitchfork said it was a shame the way Mrs. Twitchell wore the same hat year after year while Arlene had all those new clothes. Mrs. Wardy Thompson wore a, a toque of flowered silk, and Mrs. George Thompson a hat everyone knew she had trimmed herself. Her husband's prune crop 
had not brought any price at all last year. At last, there were nineteen hats laying on great-grandmother Bartlett's four-poster bed in the downstairs bedroom. Mama's company had examined the place cards around the big dining-room table, which had enough leaves added so that twenty places could be set. Mama had not extended the table as much as this since last summer, when she had cooked dinner for the crew of women who came to help Daddy bale the hay. How elegant everyone looked and how refined the hum of conversation sounded. Quite different from the sweaty overalls and loud voices of the hay balers. Mama's party was going to be a success, Emily could tell. Emily did not want to miss a thing, but Mama was depending on her to help serve the chicken a la king and fruit salad. Mama, do I serve the plate from the right or the left? Emily whispered anxiously. I always get mixed up. Mama's face was flushed, and she was trying not to spatter chicken a la king on her gray silk. From the right, no, I mean the left. Was she as flustered as her? Emily carried the plates two by two into the dining room and served them with great care. It would be a dreadful thing to dump cream chicken in someone's lap. When the last plate was served and Mama herself was seated at the head of the table, Emily climbed up on the kitchen stool to eat her own meal off the drain board. It had taken every chair the Bartlett's owned and a few borrowed ones beside to seat the members of the club. The conversation in the dining room hushed as the ladies began to eat Mama's delicious cooking. There were polite little murmurs of the best I've ever tasted and you must let me have your recipe when Emily became aware, as did the guests, of noises outside and what a racket it was, squeals and grunts and barking of dogs. Emily had never heard anything like it before. My lands, cried Mama. What on earth is going on out there? Emily ran to the kitchen window, but she couldn't see a thing because the woodshed was in the way. The squeals and grunts grew louder and the dogs barked furiously. And then a terrible thought occurred to Emily. Had she fastened the gate when she dumped the apples into the hog pen? Had she done what she had been told? She must never, never do and leave the gate open? She was sure she had closed it. But now she was not so sure she had fastened it. No matter how hard she tried, she could not remember. Mama had called Emily and had been in a hurry to get cleaned up before company came. She had a terrible feeling. Oh, dear, if she had left the gate unfastened, Daddy was going to be pretty angry. Emily only hoped that if she had left the gate unfastened so the hogs got out, Daddy would wait until the ladies had gone home before he gave her a talking to, or he might even spank her. All the guests had stopped talking to listen. Mama jumped up from the table and ran out on the back porch. Emily and the nineteen ladies followed. Mama ran down the back steps and along the walk to the barnyard with Emily and the nineteen ladies right after her. This was terrible, all the ladies leaving Mama's luncheon instead of talking about the library. And what a sight met their eyes. All twelve hogs were running around the orchard, squealing and snorting and grunting. Plints 
all the whole town, now called the Collie, was standing on the steps of the tank house barking hysterically, while old Bill, who knew there was work to be done, ran after the hogs, barking and snapping at their heels to persuade them to go back to their pen. Oh, thought Emily, how dreadful! She had left the gate unfastened. She saw Daddy standing in the barn door, staring at the hogs. But wait! Something was wrong, terribly wrong with the hogs that old Bob had managed to herd into the barnyard. They were not really running. They were lurching and swaying and staggering. Poor old Bob was working as hard as he could to get round them up, but they no longer paid any attention to him. What on earth? began Mama. She seemed to have no words left. The ladies recovered sufficiently from their surprise to begin to talk. Did you ever? What under the sun? Never in my born days. Then someone tittered, and the rest of the ladies laughed too. The hogs did look funny. Emily also thought they looked funny, but she could not laugh because she was so worried. What on earth had she done to Daddy's hogs? And in a year when he hoped to get a good price for them, too. And then, before her very eyes, one of the hogs keeled over and lay still. Emily watched her father run down the ramp from the barn and tried to chase a hog back into the pen. It paid no attention, but went lurching across the barnyard until it bumped into the watering trough. Then it fell over and lay still, even though old Bob stood barking at it. There goes another one, thought Emily miserably. If I didn't know better, said Mrs. Archer, I would say those hogs are tipsy. What a ridiculous idea, said Mrs. Twitchell. None of the ladies of Pitchfork approved of strong drink. One hog, the one named Brutus, the biggest of them all, came staggering towards Mama's company. The lady shrieked and retreated behind the picket fence while the hog stood swaying uncertainly and looked at them with its little beady eyes. It gave one tired grunt and one by one its legs to fold up until it collapsed in a heap. Another one is gone. Well, I never, exclaimed the wife of the druggist. Another hog, the Hampshire so Daddy had bought because it won first prize at the livestock exposition in Portland, tried to climb the steps of the tank house, fell, got up, and wandered off in an uncertain way that sent the ladies into a gale of giggles. Old Bob snapped at the heels, but the hog did not seem to notice. It was a happy-looking hog, and it kept on going, which was encouraging to Emily. I don't care, said Mrs. Archer, most disapprovingly. Those hogs are tipsy. I'm positive. Emily thought it was a terrible thing to say about Daddy's nice, fat hogs. She was worried, too, because if Mrs. Archer disapproved of Daddy's hogs, she might keep right on disapproving of other things, including Mama's plans for a library. Why, Sybil, how could any hog of ours get tipsy? Mama sounded hurt that Mrs. Archer could think such a thing. I don't know, Lydia, said Mrs. Archer. But I do know they are tipsy. You know, Sybil, said Mrs. Twitchell. I believe you're right. They are tipsy. Tipsy, exclaimed Mrs. George Thompson. They are just plain drunk. 
Of course I'm right, said Mrs. Archer. All those hogs need is to sober up. But that is ridiculous, protested Mama, anxious to defend the Bartlett honor. How could our hogs get drunk? I, I think I must have forgotten to latch the gate when I fed them some rotten apples this morning, ventured Emily, although she did not see what this could have to do with such a strange behavior. You did? exclaimed Mama. Emily, did you really feed the hogs rotten apples? Still not understanding what had gone wrong, Emily nodded miserably. Why, rotten apples would ferment, said Mama. It was just like feeding the hogs hard cider. And then they got out into the orchard and ate more rotten apples that were laying on the ground. I didn't mean to get them drunk, said Emily. I thought they might like the apples for a change. They certainly did, said Mrs. Archer, and made a beeline for more. Well, I'll be jiggered, said Mama, and suddenly she sat down on the back steps and went off into a gale of laughter. She sat there and laughed until she cried. To Emily's amazement, the rest of the ladies joined in. They tittered and giggled and laughed and wiped their eyes. They stopped laughing, held their sides, gasped for breath, and started all over again. Emily was indignant. She did not think it was funny. It was terrible, all Daddy's beautiful Hampshire hogs drunk, and in a year when he hoped to get a high price for them. Mama, you said it was wicked to waste food because of the starmy Arminians, said Emily reproachfully, and so I did what not want to waste the apples, even if they were rotten. Oh, Emily, gasped Mama, and became helpless with laughter all over again. Emily knew what she was thinking. Emily's imagination had run away with her again. Out in the barnyard, the squeals and grunts subsided as one by one the hogs sagged to the ground fast asleep. Dead drunk, every last one of them, said Sybil Archer, and all the ladies went off into the other gale of laughter. Oh, dear, exclaimed Mama, when the ladies seemed to have no more laughter left in them. Our food will all be cold. Never mind, said Mrs. Archer as the ladies went into the house. I haven't had such a good laugh for years. As Emily stood looking at the havoc she had wrought, she decided she was not hungry after all. Not even for chicken in the patty shells and fruit salad with maraschino cherries. Miserably, she watched her father coming across the barnyard towards her. He stopped to nudge Brutus with his toe. But Brutus only flicked an ear, twitched his curly tail, and did not budge. Emily remembered her pioneer ancestors and was brave. She sat down on the back steps to wait. From inside the house came another burst of laughter, and then came the sound of Mrs. Archer's voice. I have never in all my born days seen anything so funny. Daddy sat down beside Emily. I meant to fasten the gate, but I guess I didn't, she said in a small voice. Well, Emily, Daddy said with a grin, you know better than to leave a gate open. How well Emily knew the rules. Never leave a gate open. Never walk uphill behind a load of hay. Never go into the field where the bull was pastured. Inside, Mama's guests were busy talking over what they had just seen. There was no doubt about it. They were having a good time, a hilarious time, but they were not talking about a library. 
You know, Daddy went on, I have an idea you're feeding those rotten apples to the hogs is going to be the making of your mother's party. You've given her friends something to talk about, and they aren't going to forget it. Daddy was right. Mama always said people in a small town never forget anything. Look at the way Prince's name had been changed to Plince. I guess we'll skip a spanking. Daddy leaned over and rubbed his chin against Emily's cheek. He had a good smell, a smell of freshly plowed earth. You're getting pretty big to spank anyway, he said. That was the nicest thing anyone had said to Emily for a long time. Too big to spank. A real milestone had been reached. Inside, Mama's guests talked and laughed. It was easy to tell by the sounds that floated out that even though the chicken a la king was cold, the party was a success, just as Mama had hoped it would be. Gabble, 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 said Daddy with a chuckle. You just wait. Your mother will have them all talking about a library before you know it. You don't think she's forgotten? asked Emily. Not your mother, answered Daddy. And do you want to know something? The Ladies' Civic Club is having such a good time, it's going to agree to anything your mother suggests. You'll see. And the wonderful part was, Daddy was right. Emily was sure of it. And now, how about fixing some of your mother's fancy cooking for your hungry dad, suggested Daddy. Emily discovered she was hungry after all. Besides, the kitchen was such a good place from which to eavesdrop on the dining room.